0: talking all things training, sport performance and business and covering the most important topics to enhance your training and better your career. I'm your host Jared e. Filippo and this is Muscles and Management brought to you by Challenger Strength where we build your body and your business. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 12 of the Muscles and Management podcast. I am titling this episode a rant from a concerned strength coach. Regarding team sport conditioning, um, I will get angry at times. I'm just going to warn everybody. Um, if it sounds like I'm choking or having trouble uh, you know, clearing my throat, I'm not dying because I'm aggravated. Uh, I just have a little bit of a chest cold this week, so I'm battling that. So um, I have no concern there, not that any of you would care. Hopefully, maybe a couple of you would. Who knows? Um, with that being said, before I get into this rant... Uh, as I always say, if you are a fan of the podcast, or you are enjoying the podcast, think that uh, some you know of your friends, colleagues, athletes, etc., coaches would uh, enjoy the podcast. Please share, uh, subscribe, and rate. Um, it helps tremendously in terms of you know expanding the reach of the podcast. Uh, I will say thank you so much for the support so far. Uh, every week, I get a feedback from uh, the podcast, basically. You know, where I upload it, and, uh, you know, the listeners are growing week by week. So it's really cool to see. So uh, I appreciate that. Another announcement uh, the podcast is now up on my website with Android friendly links to the Buzzsprout feed. Buzzsprout is just where I upload it, uh, separate from iTunes. I will eventually get it up on Spotify and some of the other uh, places, but at least now, um, you know, iTunes or, or Apple users can listen to it on iTunes. Excuse me. And I also have a separate tab on my website for uh, the Android-friendly links. So glad I finally got to do that. As I always say, please uh, DM me with questions, uh, any guests you would like to see, and uh, topics for future episodes. I've made a, uh, a really good amount of connections. It's really cool the people I've uh, been able to link up with, especially on Twitter. Um, so I am working on some guests for the future. Uh, I, I know that the episode with uh, Dr. Terry Phillips from Driveline was was uh, very well received, and um, you know we did a, we did a great job with that. So uh, I'm working on more things with that. I do have uh, some other driveline coaches that I would like to have on. I'm working on something um, with uh, Jason. Uh, I th- I'm pretty positive it's all car- Uh working on – if I got that wrong, I'm sorry, Jason uh, – working on an episode with him. I know he's very busy now. The season started. He's uh, basically – not basically. He's the, the uh, director of – I want to say he's director of hitting for the entire minor leagues. Um, whatever the official title is, it's obviously a very uh, – very time-consuming job. Uh, congrats to him, by the way, on that. A few months ago, he landed that position. So uh, I'm working on something with him. I know a lot of people would love to hear what he has to say on, on multiple topics. So I'll, uh, I'll work on that. Working on uh, getting Kyle Rogers, Drivelines Head Strength Coach, uh, on here as well. Um, so, you know, some exciting stuff going forward. If you have anybody you'd like to be have on here, um, whether it's, you know, baseball coaches, strength coaches, um, you know, business Uh, people, whatever it is, uh, please just let me know, um, reply to the the podcast, or DM me, whatever it is, Um, wanted to give a shout out slash wish luck to all of my athletes, uh, my baseball players who I train. as Jersey people know, and people who are not in Jersey might not know, but um, the first Friday of March last week signified the start of baseball, the baseball season in uh, New Jersey. So it's a big uh, week for us, big day for us. Um, shout out to all my untamed baseball players um, that work out of the Gamers Baseball Academy. Uh, if you remember, I had Coach uh, Hassani Whitfield on. Uh, basically, that's that's his. Uh, academy that he co-owns and his team. Um, Those guys, the high school guys that I work with, good luck to all of you. Uh, I'm excited to, you know, track you guys this year and see how you all do. Um, Speaking of Asani, he's also the head coach of Colo University, so shout out to those guys. Um, I worked with them for a couple months this offseason. They're a great group. I'm really excited to see how they do this year. Um, Shout out to those guys. They just left today for their Florida trip. Shout out uh, Coach McGee, Coach Colasar, Coach Gribby. Uh, I mentioned Hassani already. Shout out to, to all you guys. Um, I'm really hoping I'm not blanking and forgetting somebody in the moment, but uh, shout out to all my guys there uh, with their first year with that squad. I'm really excited for all of you. And I uh, can't wait to get out to some games, some local games. we you get back. Uh, moving on to more shout outs. Matt McDermott, CAA player of the week last week, uh, went four for five against university, of Virginia, huge game for him. Um, and just had a great week overall. hit, I want to say 558, 520 um, this past week. Batting 417, 10 games into the season. Uh, he's got a tilt today against Campbell. I will be streaming that later. Um, shout out, Matt. Um, he looks awful in the pants being down. I'm just being honest with him. I told him already. But he's rolling with it. He's hitting well. And I don't expect to see stirrups anytime soon uh, because they are, uh, they are working well for him. So shout out to him. Uh, you know, keep it going, but I'm, uh, I'm happy for you. Uh, keep, keep uh, you know, swinging it well and uh, playing good ball. And uh, shout-out to his team as well. William Mary is 9-1 and one, uh, to start the season, having a very strong year. Pitchers are doing well, so uh, shout-out to those guys. I've watched a bunch of your games. It's uh, great to see you guys doing well uh, and hope to uh, track uh, you guys as well for the rest of the season. Uh, with that being said, moving on from shout-outs to some negative things. As I mentioned, first week of baseball here in Jersey, Uh, first week of spring sports uh, in general, so lacrosse uh, as well. Um, I've heard some horror stories about conditioning, and it's kind of pushed me to um, dig up an article I wrote about a year ago uh, that I want to kind of use as the premise for this um, podcast Basically, you know, on, on the things going wrong with team sport conditioning and some of the things I've heard, uh, whether it's multiple mile runs for baseball players at tryouts of practice, um, you know, I had a, a kid that I know, uh, one of my hockey players who plays lacrosse as well, uh, basically, uh, just kinda told me that he had, lacrosse practice couldn't lift because the coach's main goal was to kill their legs. Um, you just love to hear that, that's sarcasm by the way, it's fucking stupid, um, yeah, first F bomb of the the podcast. You're going to hear a lot more of those. I'm just going to warn you right now. Um, yeah, so those are some of the things uh, that I've heard. Reminder: baseball coaches specifically. I don't have a lot of a big baseball audience. You don't coach cross country, so I don't know why you're having guys you know run like they're preparing to fight uh, Ivan Drago in Siberia. But um, you're not you're not cross country coaches. So if we could stop with the you know multiple mile runs and making kids throw up and stuff, uh, that'd be great. Uh, And I'm going to kind of give you a hand and help you figure out what you could do, uh, you know, differently and and how you could avoid doing that. And uh, I think it'll help you and uh, really help your players. So if we're going to look at uh, what is being, you know, done incorrectly with team sport conditioning, um, a lot of what's done in practices at the high school level, um, you know, with a lot of coaches that are either just misinformed or have a incorrect idea about what it takes or what, what is needed. Um, the first thing that we want to hit on is um, I guess there's too much of an emphasis placed on mental toughness. Um, I can pretty much guarantee you that if uh, you're at a high level of, of coaching and you're dealing with high-level athletes that they have to be pretty mentally tough to get um, to, to the level that they're playing at. So I, I don't see that as a tremendous need. Um, You know, if it's something that you do once, you know, in the beginning of a season to kind of like set the tone, I guess it's fine. It's just, if it's done over and over again and it's used consistently um, as a means of that, I don't think it's necessary because I do feel that, uh, like I said, you know, if you're at the level the higher level, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty tough to get to that point already. And then, you know, looking at it from the other side, it's like, well, you know, what if I want to see the toughness of like younger level Younger athletes, etc. Um, my opinion on that is that there's more like "quote unquote" bang for your buck uh, things you can be doing, um, you know, to, to try to weed out, so to speak, the uh, level of the players that you're dealing with. So, in my opinion, um, you're you're better off just leaving that mental toughness thing to the side and you know use your conditioning or, or use your um, actual speed work to like see the speed of the athlete. You know, who has better athletic tools and and weed kids out on the skill level of that way? If you're at that high school or middle school level, that's like what you should be looking to do. Um, Especially when it comes, like, let's say a sport like baseball. Like, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna blacklist a kid because he had trouble running three miles with the other guys, but he could be the best athlete out of the entire bunch. So I think it's like an incorrect or unfair way to judge or assess a kid. Um, You know, I was a player personally that when I was in college, we had our coach who was like very insistent upon us running. Um, under a six-minute mile every uh, winter when we got back to campus from winter break. And, you know, he's a great coach. It's, like, not taking away anything from him on that sense. Like, he ran a really great program. But um, he basically, you know, had this expectation that we had to run, um, you know, this this mile under six minutes, and it it was tough. Like, you kind of had to keep doing it until you got it um, and all that. So it really – It it, it was tough for guys like me or other guys who struggle with that to kind of get, you know, looked down upon. When you know we were very fast, like I was very fast for my size, and um, it was it was unfair to judge us or like say we had we were lack of there was lack of preparation on our end from the training side of things because we couldn't get that done. Um, So I think if you're looking to evaluate the skill, uh, you're going to kind of don't brush the skill aside or the skill evaluation aside for the the toughness end of things. I think you're going to lose a lot in terms of you know what you're seeing in your players. So that's just my opinion on that. Um, the next uh, biggest thing that usually gets misunderstood is basically uh, you know there's a the false idea that you know what you're doing is training speed so um, you know having your guys run wind sprints or your athletes your girls whatever softball baseball whatever sport you're working with um, this false idea that like a sprint uh, with like excess fatigue is actually working speed and it's really not because looking at it this way and it's pretty simple but like to break it down i had actually have a good uh example the other night i had a new athlete or an athlete i've worked with a group setting came to me um for private like a younger athlete and his father asked me like hey like i notice you're um very in tune with the uh rest periods and you know always checking your watch uh to see you know what, how much time he has in his rest, especially with his sprints, like, what's the what's the? why do you emphasize that so much? And I said it was like a great question, and I, I kind of looked at him and I was like, listen, if you're working speed the true measure of effective speed training is to make sure that you can actually run full speed and put your max into each sprint every time right, and like for a duration of time that allows you to stay at that, you know, max speed, so um, for a coach to look and say, hey, we're working on speed today but they have their guys out on the field you know, running wind sprints, 20, 30, 40-yard sprints, resting for 15 seconds, and then, like, they're huffing and puffing, and they go right back to the line. Like, that's not working speed. Um, that's, like, you know, crossing to that lactic threshold that's, uh, you know, above medium intensity for longer durations of time. So it's really not working speed or the aerobic system. So uh, there's, there's a bit of a place for that, which I'll get into um, for lactic power training. But if you're trying to really work speed, you need to get – or need to allow full rest between uh, the bouts. So think like six seconds. Um, uh, I think it's, I want to say, it's, yeah, six seconds of rest uh, per 10 yards. So a 10 yards sprint should require like a minute of rest. That's like the guideline we usually go by um, and, you know, do the math on that for uh, longer distances, but if you're trying to legit learn to work speed mechanics, speed, get your guys faster, like the rest needs to be emphasized because it's only useful if it's done fast, right? Um, you know, you're not going to try to train your pitcher for velocity throwing, uh, it's a kind of a bad example because there's rest, but I guess you wouldn't have your, your um, pitcher work velocity throwing, you know, at a super fatigued level, I mean, it's going to hurt them first of all, but... You know, if they threw a bullpen two days ago and their arm's pretty tired, you're not going to have them go out and try to work on you know increasing their velocity. Their arm's not going to be able to do it, so it's kind of like counterproductive. Um, basically, I, I think from a speed standpoint, to move on to you know um, the idea that distance running. This is a huge one. Like over the years, you know, as a player, I heard it a lot, but uh, thinking that long distance running at, like, a medium to, or, or higher intensity. So, like, a kid throws a bullpen, like, all right, you have to go run a mile in seven minutes, like, two miles in however long amount of time, uh, poles nonstop, et cetera, things like that. Um, helps recover from, quote-unquote, lactic acid, like, to flush out the system after you're throwing. Um, that could be true only if the intensity is low enough. So, like, you could have your guy go run, you know, interval poles. Like, he runs the whole length of the pole, and then he rests for, you know, uh, 45 seconds and then he goes, or rests for a minute, and then he goes, and like the uh, the the rest period's long enough to um, basically keep the intensity low enough where the aerobic system's in charge, uh, so to speak, or is the driver of that activity. Um, keeping the intensities, like aerobic recovery is really, and people don't understand this either, is really in a window of only about like 65% of your max, 55, 50, 60, 65% of your max heart rate, Um for that recovery purpose. Like if you're trying to really use aerobic conditioning for recovery, like the intensity is a lot lower than you think. So having guys run nonstop poles, huffing and puffing, really just gassing them uh, and long distance running doesn't really does not doesn't really, it doesn't help them recover. It's the exact opposite. So you're going from an activity that you're trying to get them to do something that helps them recover and you're making them do something that's going to kind of exacerbate the situation. So they're doing extra fatigue to their muscles, especially their legs, uh, with this conditioning and doing the exact opposite of quote unquote, flushing them out and helping them recover. So, uh, keep in mind, I've posted some, um, literature before I actually did an example of, uh, how to make poles responsible. Um, quote unquote responsible for, uh, you know, interval type ways to, to keep them in a low enough intensity that they're actually productive for, uh, recovery. Keep that in mind because, um, If you're going at too high of a threshold, it's just really not accomplishing what you're looking to do. So many kids look at me and say – or so many coaches look and say, oh, we just – that's how we – that's what we know. We run uh, after bullpens or we run after whatever sport, whether it's football, baseball, uh, hockey, soccer, whatever it is. Like we run or we do conditioning after, you know, uh, games to recover. Like that's – if it's done the right way, it's like a really good mindset to have, but you want to make sure the intensity is low enough that it actually promotes recovery – um, or else it's just making it worse and it could fatigue them more and uh, lead to the, like more muscle soreness, things of that nature. Um, the the next, I think the next biggest thing uh, that is just misunderstood is the idea that you need a lot of time spent in uh, conditioning that is, and this is for team sports, so like a lot of those sports that I mentioned already, it's not just baseball, it's basketball, football, hockey, lacrosse, soccer, whatever. Um thinking that to be, like, in game shape that you need a considerable amount of time uh, performing runs that are, like, very high intensity for longer periods of time. Um, There is some error that. as I said. Like, there is a benefit for team sports. Like, I work with a lot of hockey guys. There's a tremendous benefit to them to, uh, you know, be conditioned and have great lactic power ability. And the reason for that is that, like, although in a team sport you you argue that a lot of the time is either in an anaerobic or aerobic, meaning that they're either busting it hard as they can for – shorter time periods, like 8 to 10 seconds, like, you know, sprinting down the ice or sprinting down the field in another sport, whatever it is, and then the aerobic system kind of kicks in when they go off the ice or off the field to rest um, as recovery, like, yeah, like, that's mostly what's going on, but there are different times where, like, you know, you're not going to get the full rest that you need, or... You know, you're going to have to, let's say, go quote unquote harder for a longer period of time where you need that lactic power. So, there is some benefit to it to have it in your programming. Um, I mean, I think for a sport like baseball, it's not needed whatsoever because, like, there is that full time to recover. Um, Even a pitcher is, you know, throwing a pitch and then they're kind of like, that's only a two or three second bout and then they're kind of kicking it around the mound for 20, 25 seconds um, before they go throw again. So, I think that's like the really one true sport where I don't think lactic power is useful at all but you can get away with it from time to time if you want to. I do think for other team sports, I like every so often it is good. A lot of my hockey guys um, in the program here, they do uh, 300-yard shuttles um, early in the season, and I think it really kind of prepares them um, to have that lactic power build up where it's like, hey, and just to explain lactic power for those who don't know, it's that belief that or that energy system where it's like, I just push through the anaerobic or aerobic threshold. I need to be able to produce as much power as possible Uh, and much output as possible, um, you know, in that lactic threshold, it's basically like it's raising your floor, so to speak. So I want to be able to produce or get better at producing as close as I can to my max threshold, even in that presence of lactic acid or in that lactic state. So. There is benefit for team sports like football, hockey, uh, soccer, lacrosse, where you have that kind of reserve where if you're exceeding the anaerobic window, you could still put a lot of power into activity. So I do think uh, it is warranted in a sense. But to think that that's all you need to do or have to do um, to condition for those team sports because it's 100% necessary is definitely not correct. Uh, You know, the aerobic and anaerobic are the main driving factors of a lot of those team sports, as I already explained Um, you know blend a little bit treat those as like the main course and then treat that lactic power as like a you know an appetizer or a side dish it's something that you have there but like the aerobic and the anaerobic is what makes the plate and is what kind of gets you where you need to be Um, basically saying that hey like I just you know put 10 to 12 seconds of max intensity into an activity and now I need that aerobic system to kind of kick in to fuel recovery the aerobic fuels Recovery. So training those, as I've mentioned, you're looking at more of like jump training, uh, heavy compound lifts for low reps, and this is anaerobic. I'm speaking of um, things that require you know 10 to 12 seconds, under 15 seconds of max intensity activity, uh, followed by full rest. Like that is building the anaerobic system, and in addition to that, you're increasing your max output. So you're increasing your max speed, you're increasing your max strength, etc. Um, you're, you're trying to bolster the. Uh, the amount of activity you can put in a short window, so the highest your max output, you want to get that as high as possible. So that's sprints with full rest, um, you know, jump training with full rest, med ball, explosive ballistic med ball training with full rest, um, compound movements, low rep, full rest sets. Like, so you're getting your three reps shedded and you're resting five or six minutes and you're fully recovering. Um, that rest level can be, you know, I'm giving that as an example as a frame of reference for like five minutes of full recovery, whatever it is for that particular athlete. But you want it to be full um, full recovery for that. And aerobic, on the other hand, you're looking more of like, um, you know, a little bit lower intensity. So you have to keep in mind, think about this framework for aerobic activity. Uh, if you had 100, your, your max heart rate, whatever it is, uh, 100% of that, right, um, to build aerobic capacity. So if I was looking to do aerobic activity to kind of build my aerobic floor, make my aerobic system more effective and helping me recover, you want to think about... Being in that maybe 85 to 90 percent window um, of max intensity or max heart rate, sorry, but you're only you don't want to over fatigue it. So you don't want to be 85 to 90 percent for a minute and a half because then you're crossing into medium to high intensities for longer durations, more in that lactic window. So you want to think like, hey, you know, uh, and if you have a consistent heart rate monitor <clears throat> on the athlete, you can get a better idea of this. So like you know, if they're doing a circuit, if they're they're on second 25 or second 30 and Um, You know their heart rate is exceeding a certain you know threshold, or uh, excuse me, things of that nature that they're not really using the aerobic system anymore. So I I generally keep it into the 20 to 30 second window if it's low enough intensity. If it's a little bit higher and you're working on capacity, I'd say keep it closer to that 20 second side, and then give a long enough rest in between the activity that like it can bring the heart rate down so that when you go back to the next part of the circuit, like the, the, the active interval. Uh, it's not too high to uh, cross that aerobic threshold. If you're looking to maintain, think more of like that 70, 75, 80% uh, window of your max heart rate. And as I alluded to previously, uh, recovery, you really want to be careful. That's like that 60 to 65% of your max. Um, you can do you know, aerobic circuits for body weight for recovery. So like we'll do a movement pattern circuit. It's so like a push, a pull, a uh, squat hinge, uh, single leg exercise. Uh, and you can throw core in there too if you want, but, like, we would look at that and say, okay, instead of giving the guys reps to do um, for those circuits, they would do, um, you know, let's say they do a barbell push-up. It would just be for a 30- or 25-second active interval. There would be, like, a minute rest in between, and they would go on to, like, their pull activity, which would, like, be an inverted row or a chest supported row, whatever it is, um, and just, you know, complete nice, slow, non-fatiguing reps. So, like, tell them, hey, keep the the emphasis on... um, you know, the, the amount of uh, work you're putting in, like keep the intensity at like maybe a six out of 10, uh, uh, you know, the, and the rate of like the perceived exertion. So um, it's easier to do that with higher level athletes because they have a better feel for what that percentage is for them. But you want to cue them to like, hey, do your, you know, 30 seconds or 25 seconds of barbell push ups at like a six out of 10 intensity. Uh, and then you're resting for a minute and then you're going to the next body part. So it really allows you to get that recovery um, based work in. So there's many ways you can do it. You can do it with tempo runs. I think tempo runs are uh, great with uh, you know working on top speed form for athletes that need to get into top speed. Um, that's again basically taking lower percentages of your max. So if their max uh, forty yard sprint is you know uh, five seconds, you take seventy five percent of that. So you get them running like a four or I'm sorry, a six second uh, forty yard sprint, and they get full recover or they get adequate recovery and then they go to do it again and you basically just kind of keep them going until they can't reach that uh, well no not necessarily you keep them going until they can't get that but you adjust the volume week by week so maybe start with like six tempo sprints then move them to eight you periodize it just as you would um, your regular lifting schedule so I think uh, if we start to look at it that way um, you know we can start to fix the problem I, I don't know if will ever fully fix it but just try to get coaches as informed as possible uh, and that, that brings me to our next point. I think if we really look at how we're going to try to fix the problem, um, the, the biggest thing that we need to do is just kind of try to help coaches understand the energy systems. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's unfair to a lot of the coaches. Like, a lot of these high school coaches um, are expected to balance, you know, not only being, you know, the coach of the sport, but they have to kind of take – Control of the weight training or the um, aerobic training or whatever it is, so it's tough. It's it's really hard to wear all those hats and do all those things on your own. Um, but I, I do think it could be possible, and it's not ter- a tremendously far fetched idea for uh, these programs that you have like a one off consultation with a qualified strength coach um, to at least learn the energy systems. You know, maybe maybe have your coaches um, get like a you know a low level type of, um, certification that teaches about it. Uh, I I really do think it's, it's not a hard stuff to understand that. Like if these coaches had a meeting with a strength coach or a sports performance coach who knows the energy systems, they can really get the premise of what they should be doing and really understand the basics quite easily. Um, I know budget wise, it's not in the plans to have, um, you know, a lot of these schools to have a strength coach it's not easy to afford it so I understand that fully but I do think it's possible to kind of get literature for the coaches to either understand and read themselves to understand the energy systems or to have that coach come in and talk to the staff and kind of give them the tools they need uh, to you know work with the kids effectively and I already previously mentioned this but I do think that um, you know stopping the use of conditioning as a way to weed kids out is uh, a really, you know, another point of emphasis that we need to uh, stick to to ensure that conditioning is done in the right way. Um, I think you're better off looking to weed kids out with skill tests. Uh, I'd rather know, you know, top end speed or acceleration speed, different levels of that, vertical jumps, things like that measure more of that explosive max output activity. And then, you know, use that to gauge the skill level because, uh i don't think it's fair to kind of just blacklist kids or get rid of kids because of that lack of lactic uh power in those long and high intensity conditioning tests because uh, it's not you know the bulk of what you need for to be effective at the sport so it's kind of unfair to judge them that way so i think if we kind of move past that idea that can really help a lot in uh changing the landscape of how uh conditioning is performed um you know with athletes so before I really, you know, break down um, three main systems and kind of give some more examples um, on how to do things the right way, I do want to emphasize that I'm not really, it's not not knowing better that really bothers me. It's, it's more of the, um, whether some coaches are arrogant in the sense of like, oh, this is the way that I did it. Um, you know, I've played at a high level. I know best on how we got it done. And that's the way it's always been done. I don't like that because that's just like a bad excuse for anything. Like, why continue to do something the wrong way just because it always was done that way? Like, let's look for, um, you know, new ways to, you know, maximize efficiency and productivity in, in what we're doing with our athletes. And I just do think in today's day and age, it's just too easy to get on the internet uh, or social media and just find good coaches or good sources um, to learn from to teach uh, that teach how to do it the right way. Um, I think we're in a day and age today where there's so much free content available. Um, hell, I put out enough on my own to know that. But... Um, and people who follow me know that to be true but I think there's too much too many resources that are easily accessible to continue to um, to be uneducated and I think if we can show um, a lot of like especially like these high school level and um, college level coaches the right way to do things uh, it'll really Address those issues. And I, I do have to say from a trend that I've noticed is a lot of the younger co- coaches of like younger athletes are more inclined to look into the right way to do things. And I see a lot of great practices being run by these younger coaches, mostly because they don't have the ego driven, hey, I'm at this high level, it's the way it's always been done outlook. Um, so I think if we can kind of try to move away from that and, and look to do um, what's best for the athletes with the information that we have readily available from what is effective today, versus you know what we did 20 30 years ago that's quote unquote always been effective like you know it to be effective because that's what was done and i'm sure guys did well in spite of it but if imagining you know what they can accomplish if we give them the you know proper tools to use and do things the, the right way so i just want to say that before i um get into the next phase of what i'm talking about which uh is basically um the true meat and potatoes of the three uh you know main energy systems here. So. Um, what I previously discussed is essentially, um, you know, the three energy systems we're looking at, we're looking at the aerobic, uh, the anaerobic, and then we're looking at like that lactic, um, power, like that threshold where you're, uh, you know, past, um, you know, you're either at an intensity too high for too long of a time building that lactic power or, um, you know, you just, I that's basically like the main component of it is being at too high of an intensity Um, for too long of a period of time. And what basically begins to happen is the um, aerobic system is not responsible for the activity, nor is the anaerobic. So brief definitions of these, um, just to kind of give an idea. You have the alactic system, the alactic, alactic, however you want to pronounce it. Um, Basically, alactic stands for uh, the without lactic acid so um it's the lactic or anaerobic energy system and it's our initial system that covers short maximum intensity bursts under 15 seconds so that's like a general guideline Uh, as i mentioned previously uh, a jump a short sprint um you know any max intense max intensity activity that lasts under 15 seconds in sport or in practice from there we're looking at the lactic system um You know, this is the energy system that would be used during like uh, one of those high intensity conditioning tests, such as like a timed multiple mile or mile run um, with high, with low time expectations. Uh, This basically involves like moderate bursts of activity. So obviously, you're just, it's not humanly possible to, you know, go at your full speed for a full mile, but that's like trying to be at your moderate to above moderate uh, level of intensity um, for like that longer period of time. And, Uh, like I said this is longer periods of time at the higher end of intensity and basically the body is no longer um, you know fueled by ATP ATP is like the main uh, source of energy for the uh, lactic or anaerobic system so that only has that is a shelf life so after you know that was 12 to 15 seconds that's those stores are used up and you're just basically you no longer have that to fuel the activity so what 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 also happens is when ATP is used, it goes to. about am not going to get into all technical terms, but essentially it breaks down, and the body, the aerobic system flushes you out, etc. Uh, that's not allowed to happen because there's no rest periods being take taking place, so you know you don't get to really push that out of the system. So that's really uh, what, what it comes down to there, which is why there's a difference. Um, you know, the anaerobic system is also, uh, you know, not needing. Uh, air or oxygen etc uh, to, to fuel itself it 's without the presence without the presence of that as well, um, which is the exact antithesis of antithesis of the aerobic system um, The aerobic system is you know using oxygen um, and it's more continuous activity at lower intensities, but most importantly, it's what refuels ATP, uh, meaning it's like one of the main drivers um, of the anaerobic system in the sense that it replenishes what we need and what's most used to fuel that anaerobic. So if you look at it from that sense, those are the three main uh, systems. As I've mentioned, um, the lactic system can be useful to build up because uh, there are periods of time where you do cross over that anaerobic threshold And the aerobic does not have adequate time to kick in and help recover. So there can be a benefit to working some lactic power, which is just basically improving your ability to put max output in for longer periods of time, uh, even when you've crossed that lactic threshold. So um, that's a brief rundown of those three energy systems. Um, I think a big key to realize here is that you kind of want to go into this looking at... Uh, the anaerobic and aerobic and separating them, because what happens is too many coaches try to combine speed into more of a conditioning idea, and what and you're you're basically crossing the two and blurring it into that lactic uh, window. So think about it like you know when you were in you know school and you were younger and you would mix two paints together to get a color. Like you had your yellow and you had your blue. I want to say that made green. Yeah, something like that. But if you had your yellow on one side of the sheet and you had your blue on the other, you really wanted to, if you if you didn't want green, you wanted to make sure that they stayed away from each other because if they mixed together, you just have one big mess of green paint. And essentially, if you're looking to, you know, use yellow for something specifically and use blue for something specifically, Mixing them together is not what you want because now you don't have either to use separately to get achieve what you're trying to get to. So, if yellow was your you know anaerobic system and blue is your aerobic, and you you basically blend the two uh, to use them, that's great for that lactic, and that's great because you now make green and you and you could use green for some things. But you really got to work at using the yellow by itself and using the blue by itself. So you really want to think of you know separating your activity into that more anaerobic window, which is. You know, the sprints, the jumps, full recovery, etc. And you need to be um, looking at full recovery but things being done at max speed. And you don't necessarily need to be a strength coach to use these things to improve the overall um, athleticism or uh, speed of your athletes. Like, I know a lot of coaches now um, implementing medicine ball activities during the practices that are just sport coaches some of the baseball coaches I interact with on Twitter that I've, I've talked to um, extensively asking questions about, you know, medicine ball throws, overhead throws for like triple extension and speed building, rotational throws, et cetera. Like you can use those to not only build your overall anaerobic system, but get your guys athletic and more explosive where you need them to be. So, you know, having your guys do rotational med ball throws as a baseball coach helps their rotational ability, makes them more powerful, but it's also now working the anaerobic system. So it's kind of like a two birds, one stone type of thing. And with aerobic, you now you separate it. So now you go from yellow, the anaerobic, and you look at blue. And now you're going to say, okay, um, I'm looking at some tempo runs. I'm trying to build some top speed with my conditioning and the aerobic conditioning. And as I've mentioned, you can kill two birds, one stone with some of these things. So you can do your anaerobic work. And improve, you know, rotational ability in rotational sports such as hockey, baseball, etc. And you can do aerobic conditioning work and use tempo runs to work on top speed form. So working on your vertical knee drive, um, you know, your rhythm with your with your strides, etc. Like you can do that um, with aerobic. And in baseball, um, people like to look at poles a lot. Like they can be done effectively. Like I, you can use a pole. I could say, okay, left. You know, left field foul pole to right field foul pole, and then I'm going to rest afterwards. And I'm going to make sure I keep these athletes and I in, in a lower intensity state where they understand that they're going to sp- they're supposed to be uh, in that like six to six point five out of ten percent uh, window for intensity. Like we can do, we can use these things effectively and get the results that we're looking for. Um, I think that's the basic you need to understand. And what you can also do is I already mentioned the, the blue and the yellow turning into green take a little bit of the blue a little bit of the yellow and move them onto another side of the paper and you blur them together for your green and that's when you get your you know lactic power so you can have guys run 20 to 30 yard sprints you know only give them a couple seconds to kind of reset themselves and then go right away again and build that lactic power like you can blend them and it does have some benefit in some some instances but you want to make sure that at the end of the day when it comes down to it you still have your yellow your your um you know, your little pile of yellow paint, your little, you know, uh, area of the blue paint so that they can be done and worked effectively. So stop trying to blend all things together and understand that you need to separate them, um, to, you know, to be most effective in, in working those different energy systems. So I think at the end of the day, ultimately, um, you know, kind of summer, eh, to kind of sum up, excuse me, everything, um, you know, looking at the main issues, like let's you know move on from the mental toughness thing consistently. If you want to use it as an initial test, I, I guess I can deal with that. Like, go do what you got to do. Uh, you know, but for especially for younger kids, like use other means to to weed out skill level and you know what the athlete brings to the table. I think there's better ways to do it. Um, you know, move on from the idea that uh, you know long distance uh, running at medium or high intensities helps recover. I explain why it doesn't, you know, we have to really move on from that, especially in sports like baseball, to use too much to recover, quote-unquote, from bullpens. Um, You know, understand that you don't need to do these, you know, longer-distance activities at higher intensities to be, you know, to be... For that to be like the the ideal level of conditioning for your sport. It's good to have it in some capacity, but that's not all that goes into it. Understand the other um, energy systems that are predominant and, you know, are part of the full picture. Um, I think we can try to fix the problem, um, you know, further educating coaches or giving them the tools and the the resources online. There's a lot of free free. Content out there, as I've alluded to, I think we can really do a good job of educating and you know explaining things. Not taking a hardline approach, like "Hey, you're an idiot; you're not doing it the right way." Um, you know, explain to them, break it down, and, and try to get to them in a sense of explaining what it actually means and what is involved. I think that'll really go a long way uh, versus arguing. And then again, just understanding the three systems. I really like the paint analogy. Um, you know, keep your yellow and blue separate, and then you know take a little bit of each and put it off to the side and, and blend it to your green. And you know that is going to be the, really the best way of uh, going about the conditioning. So think of your yellow as your aerobic. I want to think I think I called yellow the aerobic, blue the anaerobic, and then when you mix a little bit of each to green from time to time, you work on that lactic power. Um, I think if we can really kind of separate the speed work from the conditioning, um, it's going to go a long way in you know making our work more effective with our athletes. Uh, And that's, I think, the ultimate goal from all this is just to make sure that the athletes are getting the best training they possibly can. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this and and understanding, uh, you know, why this is all important. I think it's just, it's something we need to address uh, because it's still to this day done the wrong way. And I think we'll all be better off when it's, you know, fully understood and and conditioning and speed work are finally done uh, in the the right way across all sports. Thank you for listening to the Muscles and Management podcast brought to you by Challenger Strength. I'm your host, Jerry e. Filippo, helping you build your body and your business.